0: All right, well, Yes. what's going on? Okay, so we have a, well, I think we've got one text message here. Mm-hmm. And this relates to what we said earlier. So these two text messages uh, coming through from Raphael kind of work together. This is, didn't God command to work six days and rest the seventh because we were talking about Iceland that has reduced their working week to four days. My counter-argument to that was that, Bible says to work, it doesn't mean that you have to be employed for that entire time. And so as long as you, let's say you have Friday, Saturday, Sunday as your weekend, you can work at home on Friday. You can have Mm. Sabbath, uh, Saturday as your day of rest, um, and you can have Sunday as another work of home day. Mm. Uh, So that was kind of where I went with that, which brought us to this response. Well, what you said is correct. Remember that all nations with too much free time went down very rapidly. Mm. And a great example of that, of course, is the Roman Empire, It yep. was one of the greatest empires that we've ever seen. It's a classic one that everybody studies. Uh, we know more about the Roman Empire than most other empires. And when you look at the Roman Empire, in the city of Rome itself, by the end of the empire, fully half of the year was a public holiday. They had so many public holidays, it was half of the year. Wow. And whenever the senators or you know emperors ever wanted to get votes, they would just hold games, and sometimes those games would go for half a year. And so, when a society becomes obsessed with entertainment, Mm. okay, think about that. When a society becomes obsessed with entertainment and games, a society is on the verge, on the brink of collapse. Mm. And I would say we've reached that. We don't have the same kind of you know, public holidays and games that they had in Rome, we have them on our screens. Mm. But the amount of time that we spend obsessed with entertainment and games is around about the same time mm. that they were spending back then. Okay, uh, text message goes on and says, Sodom and Gomorrah sin started with wealth and too much free time. And that's actually very true. If you go to Ezekiel, uh, the Bible talks about it right here in Ezekiel chapter 16. Um, Bible says in verse 48, As I live, says the Lord God, Sodom, your sister. Uh, no, where are we? Uh, verse 49, Behold, this was the sin of your sister Sodom. Pride, fullness of bread, and abundance of idleness mm. was in her and her daughters. Neither did she strengthen the hand of the poor and needy. And so it highlights here the issue the abundance of idleness. Now this all goes hand in hand with what David Haupt was talking about. Uh, with the interview about laziness and how laziness is actually really, really destructive to us as human beings. And we need to start setting our alarm clocks. We need to start getting up and becoming productive with our free time Mm. and actually getting things done with our free time. Okay, so really good uh, um, comment there. The devil will get to us in any way that he can and if he can get to us through laziness he will get to us through laziness. Mm. So I would encourage all of our Icelandic listeners. <laughs> it's got to be somebody in Iceland listening, right? Uh to yes, use those extra uh days to be productive. Mm. Productive human beings. We were created to be Productive human beings. Okay. And of course, if you're in Iceland, you would be able to listen on the Faith FM app.
1: Oh, yes. Of course.
0: I don't know whether we have, we've had people in Iceland or people from Iceland that we have interviewed here from mm-hmm. time to time. I don't know whether anyone's actually listened in Iceland. I have to contact some of my friends and say, Hey, you can be the first of the first, <laughs> but take the app with the you pioneer. and that app will give you Faith FM right across the world wherever you can get an internet service. Um, So that's the Faith FM Australia app. So many of my friends have been getting on to it recently and listening to it in their cars, and they're like, oh, it makes listening to Faith FM so much easier Mm.
1: because you can drive anywhere and it's just always there. Mm. Well, shout out to my friends as well. Like I come from a younger generation of friends that have kind of moved away from radio already to begin with. Yes. But they're like, we finally have good Content. (laughs) Amen. Go Lawson's Friends. Go Lawson's Friends. stuff. All right. Uh, Are we doing a Bible study? We're doing a
0: Bible study, and we are still in numbers.
1: Oh, let's go, dude. So this this week
0: is all about the lack of rest or restlessness Mm. and restless people, and it seems like the book of Numbers is all about restless people. Mm. And so we found, of course, first of all, they were restless about the food that they were having, Mm. and then they became restless about... Moses and Moses being the leader, and they're like, Well, you know, God speaks to us too. And so they're restless about all kinds of things. And so the restlessness about food that was Numbers 11, restlessness about Moses being the leader was Numbers 12. Mm -hmm. Now we're going to Numbers 13. And we're going to be reading a whole bunch of passages here from Numbers chapter 13 and also Numbers chapter 14. So let's start reading in verse 27. So, Numbers 13
1: and verse 27. This was their report to Moses. We entered the land uh, you sent us to explore, and it is indeed a bountiful country, a land flowing with milk and honey. Here is the kind of fruit it produces. But the people living there are powerful, and their towns are large and fortified. We even saw giants there and descendants of Anak. The Amalekites live in the Negev and the Hittites, Jebusites and Amorites live in the hill country. The Canaanites live um, along the coast of the Mediterranean sea and along the Jordan Valley. But Caleb tried to be, to quiet the people as they stood before Moses. Let's go at once and take the land. He said, we can certainly conquer it. But the other men who had explored the land uh, with him disagreed we can't go up against them they are stronger than we are they so they spread this bad report about the land among the israelites the land we traveled through and explored will devour anyone who goes to live there all the people we saw were huge and we even saw giants there the descendants of anak next to them we felt like grasshoppers and that's what they thought too
0: Okay, pretty full-on kind of uh, statement right there mm. in relationship to the spies. So they they send out 12 spies. Mm. And, you know, this is their first time around doing this kind of thing. They've, they've never, you know, done spying before. They, they're they not an army. They're basically an armed rabble. mm and uh, that was kind of how most armies were those days anyway. They were farmers and artisans and so forth and they would just you know turn up with their weapons and turn up with their supplies and the king who was able to get the most of them together would usually be the one who won the battle based on the weight of numbers. Mm. So this, you know, this is not the end of the world, but they're like, well, we've not done this before. This is new for us. We were slaves you know, very recently. Now we're going to have to go and fight, so let's find out what we're up against. And so they send the spies in. And they send 12 of them. Mm-hmm. That's a big chunk of spies. And then the spies come back, and initially, what do the spies have to say? They're like, this place is the bomb. Yes. They're like, this place is amazing. We need to live here. Absolutely. They give an incredible report, a report where you would be just drooling to go and live in that place.
1: You're
2: listening to Faith FM, positively different radio.
0: Yes, indeed. Okay, so... We find here that the this is this is what the spies are saying, and they're saying you know this is this is just fantastic. It's a land flowing with milk and honey. Mm. You know they've got so much evidence of you know what the what the land has that the land can produce. Then we do four day work weeks. (laughs) That's yeah, it's kind of it's kind of like that. It's, it's the kind of land that can support a four-day work week, and uh, and they're all super excited about. It. At, at at this point, how do you think the the the, the congregation, the nation, the uh, oh, that, Israelites are feeling up until this point?
1: they would be stoked. You know, they knew that God promised them the land. They knew that this would be their future place of inhabitants, and they're like, "Oh yes, like this is
0: good. Let's go in there. Let's go mm. get
1: this. Let's take it." Mm. But even in that initial report, they count like, hey, like there's some pretty legit dudes there.
0: Okay, so it kind of changes partway through, doesn't mm. it? All right, so what, where's the point?
1: Let's go to Numbers chapter 13. It's, uh, the point verse, 28. verse 28. Verse 28, it, it, it changes. It says, but the people living there are, pow- are powerful. Um, and their towns are large and fortified. And the descendants of Anak, and there's giants, and the Amalekites, and the Jebusites, and the Hittites, and the Amorites, and the, Amorites, and the Canaanites. Like live all over the place, you know, from the Mediterranean Sea through the Jordan Valley and all these places. But at the same time, like Caleb closes off all of that, and he's like, "Oh, but actually, like we can take them." Like he's like, "Yeah, we can take these guys." He's like, "Yeah, they're legit, but like you know, we have the Lord on our side, leading us by a pillar of cloud and a pillar of fire. Like we've got, we've got this." Easy. I love what he, I love
0: what Caleb says here because. You know, he's, uh, he's what, about 40 years old, thereabouts? Mm. He stills the people before Moses. And he says, let's go up at once. Let's do it now and possess it. We are well able mm. to overcome it. He's like, we can we can absolutely, I've been there, I've seen it, we can take this. Mm. Now, size is, you know, it talks about the sons of Anakia mm. and these guys were giants. And, of course, you know, they continued on for a fair while, Um Anak apparently was a giant, and so his descendants tended to have, you know, giantism. Mm-hmm. They continue down, you know, hundreds of years. There are still survivors of this bloodline that are still producing giants all the way down to the time of King David when he fights mm. against Goliath and Goliath's brothers. You know, the Bible talks about how that David, before he fought with Goliath, took five smooth stones out of the creek. Mm-hmm. Why did he take five smooth stones? Well, the Bible says that Goliath had four brothers and they were all giants. Mm. and uh, well, maybe 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 David was making a contingency for if his brothers came to defend him, yeah, that he would have uh, enough ammunition to be able to deal with all of them. And if that was the case, if that was actually the case, then David was very, very confident in his marksmanship abilities. Mm. Uh, which you know when you look at you know even people who use slings today and the sling is one of the most simple kinds of weapons that there is and so readily available to pretty much anyone you just need a couple of pieces of leather and you can make a sling and if you practice and practice and practice it with it you can literally sling that stone to an incredibly you know small target and hit it every single time mm and, of course, David would have, you know, as a shepherd, he would have practised this and he would have had that ability. That, you know, Goliath was dead before he even set, set foot on the battlefield.
1: All we right. actually have someone on the line. Okay, uh, right. Bruce, are you there, mate? Yep,
2: yep, yep, I am. Bruce, you know,
1: what would you like to, like to make share make with us this morning?
0: Yes, please do.
2: Well, well, what I, what I want to make a comment on was the children of Israel, when they came out of Egypt and all through the wilderness, they're looking on the negative side of things. Instead of looking on the positive side, as you know, like God, twelve plagues brought them out, opened the Red Sea, gave them manna, turned the water sweet. That's looking from God's perspective. But they looking from the other, whinging about, you know, bitter water, all this. And that's why the spies, the twelve spies, had that negative approach about the new land, the Promised Land. Whereas Caleb and Joshua had God's perspective, and they're saying, Look how good it is, you know, and the great and everything. And that's the same with us. What are we looking at it? Are we looking at it man's negative perspective, or are we looking at it from God's positive? What is real, positive, but you have to buy faith, and you'll you'll reap the you'll reap the benefits. Otherwise, the other people reap the consequences. You know
0: it's that simple. And you kind of got that same thing happening with David and Goliath, don't you, where you know so many people yeah, were looking at yeah. the negatives like oh this guy's big and scary whereas David looked at the positives and like this guy can be yeah. easily overcome with a distance weapon and that's going to have a massive, you know, psychological impact on our enemies. He saw the, all of the advantages and is like let's just go and do it, take this guy down. Exactly. And and
2: it's, the whole point is it's it's having God dwelling in you and looking as he's looking, you know, how Moses said to God, you know, when God wanted to destroy the Israelites because of this rebellion, you know, and he he more or less said, "No, God, what will people think of you?" You know, and and really that that's exactly how we should think. We're thinking about God, and and because that's the big picture, it's all about God and God's character. You know, it's not about us necessarily, and so that's and that's when Jesus, you know where he first acted Jesus when he came, well, he was looking to God. He says, as I hear, and in he, and he, and John he says, the things that I hear, the things that I do, the things I say, they're God. He's doing that through me. And so really that's what Christianity's is about, God living out his life in us, and we're seeing things from God's perspective. Then, as it says in Isaiah, then his ways and his thoughts have become our ways and thoughts, not separate as, as he says they are, heaven is above earth.
0: Yeah, absolutely, Bruce. Thank you so much for joining us here on the breakfast show and sharing those thoughts. Those are some really good thoughts mm. that um, that go right along with what we are studying right here. And really, in some ways, I think a, a great way of illustrating that is, you know, the glass half full, the glass half empty. Yeah. The Israelites, the whole way through here, the glass is half empty. They're always looking at it as being half empty. Mm. Whereas God's saying, no, it's not. It's actually half full, and God's actually saying, well, it's actually all the way full. Mm-hmm. You just you're just not seeing it right. You just and and this is how we need to look at life, and we need to look at the things that you know that that come across our pathway and look at okay, what are the opportunities here? Mm. You know, there's there's plenty of stories when you know of people turning lemons
1: into lemonade. Yeah, uh, but of course, like I, from the other perspective, this isn't necessarily the power of positive thinking. You know, self- not at all. Affirmation. No, absolutely. No, you're actually recognizing that this situation sucks. Like that, everything is falling apart. That you're like struggling. Like every like this is actually bad. Um, but that God can do a work through it. Yes, like, the reality of the situation. Mm. Okay,
0: so Vincent's just just uh texted through to say great comment to the caller to Bruce. Mm, so yeah. Bruce is getting some good re- good good support <laughs> there from one good of good our years. listeners. Yeah, fantastic. All right, so um, let's get back to with where. We are up to in our Bible mm. study, and I think the last one we read here was verse. What was it? Verse thirty, where you know Caleb steals the people and says, "Let's go and take it." Uh, then verse thirty-one. What does your translation start with? What's the first word in verse thirty-one? This is but. Okay, this is the first word in my translation yeah. as well. But. Mm. Okay, so when somebody's talking about something that is good mm. and a great opportunity, and they're really you know Caleb is selling it here to the people, and someone else comes along and says, "But." Mm what do you know is immediately going to follow oh like a contradiction to the to the to the positive a contradiction to the positive mm. but the man that went went up with him said we can't do it for they are stronger than us mm. we can't we're gonna have to stay in the desert you know they've been living in the desert and they would not have survived without the desert divine, direct, supernatural intervention of God every single day Mm. in providing them manna. I've seen that desert. A number of you as our listeners have seen that desert. You can't live in that desert for more than a day or two at the most with normal supplies. Mm. That's an impossibility. And they would have died in that desert, but they're like, okay, We can't go we're not strong enough to go up and take the land. God is not strong enough you know, the implication is God is not strong enough to enable us to take this land. So therefore, we're gonna have to go back to the desert because well we're going to have to rely on God. (laughs) Yikes to provide manna for us so that we can live. (laughs) You know, when you kind of stop and think about it like that, there is no logic to this, is there? Mm. If God is able through his divine supernatural intervention to give them food in the desert so that they can actually live in the desert where nobody else can, Mm. then God can likewise give them divine supernatural intervention so that he can fulfill his promises of giving them the promised land.
1: Yeah, We were talking a bit earlier, like when we were doing our interview with David Howe, we were talking about laziness. And I feel like that oftentimes can come from a fear of failure. And that's exactly where these guys are at. They're scared that they'll be overcome, that they'll fail, even though all the evidence around them suggests that they won't. Every day
0: God has been giving them supernatural evidence to say, I can do this for you guys. Mm.
1: You're listening to The Breakfast Joke Podcast on Faith FM, positively different.
0: Okay, so we've got this passage here in uh, Numbers chapter 13 that we've been looking at. And in verse 32, it says that they brought an evil report of the land which they had searched under the children of Israel, saying the land which we had gone through to search it is a land that eats up the inhabitants. And all the people that we saw in it were men of great stature. So they start off talking about the sons of men, sorry, sorry the sons of Anak mm. that were giants. Oh, the sons of Anak are there. You know, so this is one family. They've mm. seen one family. And they're like, oh, this, this, these guys are there, Sorry. but then, but now, but now, look at how they're exaggerating. The whole land, everybody who lives there, are giants. Mm. Uh, yeah, and this goes on to say, and we were like grasshoppers in their sight. Once again. I suspect that this was a little bit of an exaggeration because we know how big Goliath was and he was a descendant of Anak. We know that he wasn't that big. I mean, he was twice our size for sure. but And that would be super
1: intimidating.
0: Yeah. But a grasshopper is, I mean, percentage of a human size?
1: Yeah, probably 2%.
0: So these guys in their desperation to rebel against God have launched into...
1: Desperate exaggerations. Yeah, and, and conspiracy, and it's just, like, this is so silly as well, because I would think that the Israelites are probably one of the biggest people groups on Earth at this time.
0: Well, they're a decent size anyway.
1: Like, yeah, they're they're a huge size. Like, yeah, if we're talking about, like, tribe for tribe, like, family for family, yeah, there might be a, a town where there's inhabitants from lots of different kinds of people, but it, for, for the most part, I'm like, dude, you've got over a million people. Mm-hmm. In your people group traveling with you. Yeah, sure, they're not all soldiers, but that means that there's a lot of men there. It was Moses who said just earlier, I have 600,000 foot soldiers to feed. Yes. That is a massive army. That's huge. That's giant. You've got one family here, the family of Anak, like versus 12
0: tribes. You know you can overrun
1: that Oh, They could kill these guys, like destroy them
0: and you know if you travel to jericho and jericho was an incredibly powerfully defended city mm. and what we do have to understand is about about ancient fortifications is that if you've got good walls they really do negate weight of numbers mm. Mm. and jericho had at that particular time you know jericho according to archaeologists was the first city in the world to ever have walls mm. and had very powerful walls had a revetment had all kinds of stuff going on uh, this was this was just a city that was kind of just a fortress. It was a castle, mm. but it wasn't that big. You know, you're talking about
1: a city that's like what ten acres, yeah, max. Mm. I've even heard it said that the the castle, like the fortified section, is like the biggest, like two football fields. It is. I've been there. Yeah, that's the fortified
0: section of Jericho. It's it's just not that big. Mm. Now it was very well fortified and you know, I, I, I get that. But at the same time, guys just go in and take
1: it like six hundred thousand people. Yeah. And they're not going up against... well, they would go up against Jericho, but they're talking about like Anak and his family bro, it's like it's like one family, you're twelve tribes. All right,
0: let's launch into uh, chapter fourteen. Let's read uh, a bunch of verses here. Starting from verse one. Starting from verse The whole
1: one. community began weeping aloud and they cried all night. Their voices rose in a great chorus in protest. "...against Moses and Aaron, if only we had died in Egypt and even here in the wilderness," they complained. "...why is the Lord taking us to this country only to have us die in battle? Our wives and our little ones will be carried off as plunder. Wouldn't it be better for us to return to Egypt? Then they plotted among themselves, let's choose a new leader and go back to Egypt." (laughs) Then Moses and Aaron fell face down on the ground before the whole community of Israel... Two of the men who had explored the land, Joshua the son of Nun and Caleb the son of uh, uh, Jephunneh, tore their clothing. They said to all the people of Israel, the land we have traveled through and explored is a wonderful land. And if the Lord is pleased with us, he will bring us safely into the land and give it to us. It is a rich land flowing with milk and honey." Do not rebel against the Lord, and don't be afraid of the people of the land. They are only helpless prey to us. They have no protection, but the Lord is with us. Don't be afraid of them. But the whole community began to talk about stoning Joshua and Caleb. Then the glorious presence of the Lord appeared to all the Israelites um, at the tabernacle. And the Lord said to Moses, How long will these people treat me with contempt? Will they never believe me, even after all the miraculous signs I've done among them? I will disown them and destroy them with a plague. Then I will make you into a nation greater and mightier than Okay, and
0: this is one of those other instances where Moses becomes an intercessor once again. Mm. But, you know, this is a pretty wild passage. When you read through this story and see what's actually going on, they're like, yeah, let's go back to Egypt. Yeah. Let's go back to slavery. Mm. Really? Seriously, after you see all of the miracles that have happened, now of course this would have been the easy path for them because path for them because Egypt was uninhabited. You know, well, not uninhabited, but it had no pharaoh. It had no. We well, had no effective pharaoh. It had been stripped of its wealth, and its army was at the bottom of the of the Dead Sea. And so it was an an empire, a very large empire that was in the process of rebuilding. And so they may have seen those strategic advantages over Canaan. Mm. But this is the place where they had been slaves. Mm. And how quickly they forgot when emotion took over. Let's not let emotion destroy our relationship. Our connection.
1: You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. So that means it is now time for... Question of the Day. Alright, our question of the day is... Is it true that Adam was 15 feet tall?
0: Okay, so this is an interesting question on which the Bible is silent. Mm -hmm. Okay, so we can't uh, give answers that are not found in the Bible. Mm -hmm. However, it is very commonly believed that this was the height or roundabout the height that Adam was, and we need to ask ourselves the question why. And there are a number of lines of evidence that are used. Okay, so the first thing is that in the ancient world, Everything was bigger. Now, we know this. You go down to the, uh, the, the Sydney Museum, you're going to find, you know, you're going to find wombats that, is, that are the size of hippopotamuses. These are fossils that we have dug up in the fossil record. You're going to find, you know, giant kangaroos that are three metres tall. And, and that's simply just by going to the museum. You can, you can look at the dinosaurs that once roamed the earth, and these were enormous creatures. Uh, You can look at scorpions that were two and a half metres long. Mm. Uh, You don't find all of these in the Sydney Museum, but there's a few few highlights that I'm just going to toss out there. Dragonflies with a wingspan of a metre. It's a big dragonfly. Uh, Snails, 300 millimetres long, a foot long. Imagine one of those getting loose in your cabbage patch. Uh, Goannas, seven metres long. Uh, crocodiles, 12 meters long, though, and weighing 8 tons. That's a rather large crocodile. Um, you can look at turtles that were 100 times the size of any living turtle today. These are turtles the size of a car, mm. not a small car, a decent sized car. That's a big turtle. Yeah. And you know you can go on and on and on down through the list everything in f- in fauna all the fauna in the ancient world was just so much bigger than what it is right now. Correspondingly flora was also bigger so if we look at you know we're broadcasting from Newcastle which is a coal city mm. and if you look at the coal seams that we have here in the Hunter Valley they would have required vegetation a thousand feet thick to lay those coal seams down. Mm. That's a lot of vegetation. When you start to talk about trees, you know, possibly a 1,000 feet tall, you know, that's three times the height of anything that we have in our world right now. Uh, you know, of course, we don't, you know, you can, you can lay st- stack them to create that coal. We get that. We understand that. But you've got to have a lot of vegetation to do mm. so and you've got to have a lot of vegetation, very large vegetation, to be able to support what we find in the fossil record. Mm. And so people look at that and they say well all animals were so much bigger then and ages were so much longer you know they're living 900 odd years it would follow that if other animals were bigger, then human beings would be bigger as well. Then, of course, people look at the giants that existed in the time of David and the time of Caleb and Joshua and so forth and say, well, you know, you've got, you've got evidence of residual genetics. You've got Og there who was 13 feet tall. You've got Goliath that was nine feet tall. In the modern era, you've got Robert Wadlow who was eight foot 11. Mm. That's just an inch under Goliath's height. Um, and so, you know, people look at that and say, "Well, there's possibly some residual genetics, even though Robert was a defect rather than um, something that was positive." And so, yes, there's every possibility that that uh, Adam was indeed a giant. The Bible also says that when we get to heaven, we are going to grow up. So we're obviously much smaller than God intended us to be.
1: <laughs> Praise God.